0: hello everyone welcome to random encounter 227 or 227 my name is John o Logan and I'm here to talk about some video games and presumably if you're listening to this you're here to listen to some video games or you have found the wrong random encounter <laughs> so yeah we're uh, we're talking video games we're talking we have some uh, we have one huge release that's been happening we have one massive surprise that came out a few weeks ago and we have a uh, a, a rem a, a I don't know if it's a remaster, a remake, or as it's called, a director's cut, but we're going to be talking about these games. But uh, first, why don't we talk to uh, some of the people we have on the podcast? So first up, we have Abe Kopelansky. Hey, Abe, how you doing? I am pretty good. How are you doing, Jono? Oh, you know, it's it's been raining the last few days, um, which, you know, means that Maybe summer is finally over. Yeah, it sure
1: seems like it's It's getting cold
0: down here, too. I, it's it, when you walk outside now, you're like, oh, man, it feels kind of like the weather that's around Halloween. And you're like, that's <laughs> right. It is Halloween. Uh, is anyone going out for how? Ha- Actually, I'll introduce Nikki and then I'll ask you that. Uh, and also we have Nikki Fikori back with us again. Hey, Nikki, how are you doing? Hi, I'm doing all right. That is wonderful news. Uh, I was just about to ask Abe, is Are either of you are going out as somebody for Halloween this year or are you staying in?
2: I'm staying in.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, man, I got to work
1: on Halloween. (laughs) It's even Sunday, too.
0: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yeah.
1: Sorry, that's not a fun answer.
0: (laughs) No, it's okay. I don't really have a fun answer either. Amanda and I were talking about going to a party that some friends were throwing. But then we were like, there's going to be 50 people there. and even though everyone's going to be wearing costumes and presumably masks. We don't know. We haven't been to a party that big yet. And I'm a little disappointed because I really wanted to go as Tintin for Halloween. <laughs> yeah. It's uh I, it's, it's a costume that I have in my closet and it's not a costume. It's just things I wear. Those
2: are the best kinds of costumes.
0: Those are the best kind of costumes when you're like, wow, I dress up like a cartoon character from mid Europe in the mid 20th century. Awesome. I always have to think
1: whenever someone talks about Tintin, whether it's the, the, you know, the little gentlemanly
0: guy or the the dog, Rin Tintin. Tin. <laughs> oh, yes, Rin Tintin. Tin. Actually, I'm going to take this opportunity to explain something that happened on Rhythm Encounter last week, where the opening blooper was me talking about Milu. Uh, okay, Tintin Tin and Snowy, that's what they're called in English. Tintin and Milu is what they're called in French. So if you were listening to the beginning of Rhythm Encounters piano episode and you were like, what is what is Jono talking about? That's what I was talking about. Great cartoon shows and great comics. Love them. And it turns out that I kind of look like Tintin if I do up my hair right. So, yay. <laughs> OK, well, Halloween is well, by the time this episode goes up, Halloween is going to be the previous night. So let's get talking about some other uh some other folks who are wearing costumes, some colorful costumes, and we're going to be going into the, not the Marvel MCU, but the Marvel, the Marvel video game universe. You actually, you actually uh, said something at the very bottom of your review there about that, which was the, the square Enix cinematic universe. Um, So we're going to be talking about Marvel's guardians of the galaxy. And this game just came out a few days ago and Abe reviewed it. You gave it a 87. And generally speaking, I mean, Expectations for this game were not very high, uh, possibly because of the letdown of Marvel's Avengers last year. But reviews have been pretty positive across the board for Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Seems like a lot of people uh, were pretty surprised by it. How how did you feel about it? Were you feeling surprised by it when you played it?
1: Uh, I kind of went into it without many expectations. Um, I was aware that this was uh, thankfully a different team from from the uh, Marvel's Avengers uh which I know ha- has had a bit of trouble. Um I know I, I, there's r- reports that nobody's really playing it anymore, uh, even though they keep releasing free content. Aud- audrey has been reviewing it. <laughs> yeah. Uh but, you know, I I was definitely heartened by the fact that it was uh IDOS Montreal who made this game because, you know, they made they made Deus Ex. And, you know, that that was a, a pretty fun uh player choice driven game. Uh, I would say that Guardians of the Galaxy tonally is extremely different from Deus Ex. But they've definitely managed to bring a little bit of what Deus Ex is about into Guardians of the Galaxy, which was uh, was, was an interesting choice.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge Marvel fan, uh, both comics and the MCU. I mean, I've been collecting comics since I was very, very, very little. And uh, Marvel's cosmic side is is something that has been developed in an amazing way in comics ever since I think the annihilation wave, uh, crossover a few years ago. Uh, and since then they've, they've really been building it. And they pulled from a lot of that for the guardians of the galaxies uh, guardians of the galaxy movies. And it seems like the cosmic side is where Marvel is heading for phase four and five, but they're really dipping their toes. Well, I guess not dipping their toes. They're jumping straight in with guardians of the galaxy, uh, video game. So do, do you follow comics? Abe? I do. Uh, I'm a little bit behind
1: the times. I've been. Uh, I didn't really get into comics when I was a kid. Uh, I was well aware of this, the Marvel superheroes, and th- those were the ones I was most drawn to. Even though I, I didn't have the money to, to buy comics, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I did watch the X Men show growing up. The uh, you know you got it. Yeah, I was about to do it myself, but <laughs> you sounded better than I would probably. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of a, an MCU uh, fan. I, I kind of have a love hate relationship with it. If if I would say I'm a comics fan, it's mostly it's mostly X-Men though. Which is relevant because there was uh at least one, maybe two sly references in Guardians of the Galaxy to the X-Men, which uh got me pretty excited. <laughs> and Ooh, I don't know if it's easy. just an Easter egg or if it's uh if we are talking about a, a Square Enix uh cinematic
0: universe. Based on the reviews that this game has been getting I think Marvel uh would be smart to Maybe follow up on this with X Men. I know that they're doing. I know that uh, obviously there's Spider Man two coming out in a little while. There's Wolverine. What I what I really thought about when I first saw this the uh, footage for Guardians of the Galaxy was, it seemed like a really interesting mix of uh, the aesthetics and the general characterization of the MCU version of Guardians, while pulling from the uh, wider Marvel universe and side characters of the comics. It seems like a hybrid between the two which you actually mentioned in your review a little bit. Uh but there's a completely brand new storyline?
1: Yeah, uh that's a pretty good observation there um on the uh influences of where they they're pulling the stories from. Square Enix uh, actually sent me a reading list of uh of comics to to read to uh, uh get the background for for this game. Um the storyline is definitely pulled from uh the annihilation event. So, mm. you know, a lot of the the things that the the characters refer to when they're talking about like lore and world building are are uh, generally more generally pulled more from, from the comics than, than from any MCU stories.
0: Yeah. I noticed like Gamora's Gamora's facial markings, uh, Drax's b- body tattoos, things like that are a little bit more comic based than in the uh, MCU versions.
1: Right. I, I think they, they, they stuck with the characterization mostly from the movies. Um, mm. I, I do think uh, I was impressed by the actors. I think they were able to put their own spin on the characters, uh, even though, it, you know, it's it's pretty mostly based on the, the the movies.
0: And I mean, the nice thing is, when I saw the characters, I didn't immediately think they looked like discount versions of the uh, actors from the MCU. That which is kind of how I felt when I saw the Avengers originally. For some reason, like when I saw <laughs> the Avengers That's footage, true. I was like, "This looks like they're trying real hard just to walk up to that line of." of not having to pay the actors likeness rights. But in this game, they, I don't know, maybe it's because they don't need to pay uh, likeness rights with Groot and Rocket, but it didn't, it didn't strike me as quite as, uh, it's not uncanny Valley, but uncanny Valley about actors likenesses as Avengers was.
1: Like, so Drax is, is pretty heavily based on the the comic version of Drax hmm. and for Gamora and, and Star-Lord, they're, they're pretty uh, unique designs actually. You know, for one thing, you know, the movies are noted for taking like the, the, the sort of seventies aesthetic, uh, you know, kind of the offbeat humor and the, the music, it was all kind of, uh, you know, oddities from the seventies. And they definitely went with, uh, with an eighties theme with this one. Um, you know, you got uh star Lord's jacket with uh, his leather jacket with, the, you know, the, the studs and it's got star Lord written across the back and, uh, and uh, neon letters and uh, the eighties uh, rock band stylings. Speaking of which the, uh, in this game, uh, Peter Quill based uh, his Star-Lord name off of his, his favorite Earth band, which is a, a
0: fictional band called Star-Lord. Very Metallica-esque. Yes, Metallica-esque, where you mentioned you heard the music and you were like, wait a second. This is, who is this? Yeah, yeah. No Metallica on the, on the, on the track listing unfortunately. Well, I actually wanted to mention the soundtrack because although there are some interesting things going on here with uh, combat uh, and AI and character choices and things and storyline and things like that, it's the soundtrack that really grabbed me because I can't, I don't, maybe I'm completely wrong, but outside of like Guitar Hero and other music games, I can't think of anything that has a soundtrack like this.
1: Uh yeah, I was uh I was I was thinking of that myself and I, I was like, this is a uh <laughs> this is actually really uh really similar to that uh the Grand Theft Auto uh Vice City soundtrack that one that was supposed to be based hmm. in the eighties. That's the closest thing I could think of to uh to compare. It it is a lot of the same songs actually. Well,
0: there's only so many songs from the eighties that people recognize I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: um but this you know this soundtrack has like it has pretty much like just about everything you could want from like an eighties soundtrack list. Um, it is missing uh Toto by Africa. That's maybe the biggest one I could think of that, that wasn't on the list, but I mean, you know, you got, you got your tears for fears and you got wham and Wang Chung, <laughs> even some uh, iron maiden and a and, uh, twisted sister in there. So it's not all pop hits. So, yeah, they they pulled a pretty good variety of stuff too from the
0: eighties. How do they incorporate the soundtrack into the gameplay?
1: They often incorporate it into uh, uh, specific scenes, um, and they do a pretty good job of that. It, I mean, you can't you know the the game is pretty offbeat. It's it's very uh, a very humorous, and you know, just pairing an eighties pop song with pretty much any scene is going to give it a, a lot of energy. But in combat, um, there's this uh I, I talked in my re- review about the, the huddle up uh, sort of overdrive, like ability. Um, once you build up enough attacks, um you then go into a little huddle where uh, it's like, you know, a, you know, a football coach giving a, a big pep talk, you know, in the fourth quarter, you know, we got to go out there and win. And then, <laughs> then he, he hits his tape player and he starts blasting uh, some 80s song. <laughs> uh, and then you, you run around and, and fight with, uh whatever wake me up before you go go blasting in the background
0: (laughs) okay that's first off that's hysterically funny yeah (laughs) second off i think that would be a pretty cool gameplay mechanic uh Also, I like how that kind of factors into, again, I don't know Peter's characterization in this game, but Peter's characterization from movies being like an occasionally competent screw up where sometimes he'll be like, well, very inspiring and sometimes he'll just be an idiot. (laughs) And I like the fact that he can fail the huddle. That amuses me. (laughs) I mean, that's a pretty good joke. Like the the fact that you can fail the
1: huddle and then only he gets the benefit. That's a a very uh, Peter Quill thing. Yeah. Uh, In general, I'd say... I'd say this Peter Quill is even less competent than uh than the movie version. Um, <laughs> like a big uh I guess it depends on who's <laughs> playing him really. <laughs> uh, one of his uh I mean his main uh character arcs involves uh you know becoming a better leader essentially. So hmm. he starts out as kind of uh, no uh, he's never particularly bright but you know at, at the beginning he seems particularly inexperienced. Uh, The Guardians um, in this version of the game in particular seem like they're kind of uh, just getting started um, as a a group uh, trying to, you know, the first step that they're trying to pull off in in the game is trying to get them some notoriety. Hmm. Uh, So this is a, a superhero team that's not quite established, that's not quite found its legs. They're not even that sure that they like each other yet.
0: <laughs> okay, so it's not an origin story, but it's kind of close, at least in terms of the dynamics of the team.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's you know if uh, this is like episode two, episode two or three out of a you know if out of a series
0: or something. I mean, I was looking at the screenshots. I've been looking at uh, footage. It looks great. Um, like it, it really does look like a fantastic uh, game. It's obviously not photorealistic in many ways, but it's uh, like. Rocket, for example, just looks well. He looks like a freaking raccoon, <laughs> like a real raccoon. Uh,
1: I, I was thinking about this, and um, actually, like uh, Peter Quill is actually the only human character in the entire game. <laughs> for one thing, that's and that's kind of a weird thing, but mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty close to photorealistic. Um, I, I know this game is coming, is still coming out for like the PS4 and the uh, uh, the Xbox One, but there might have been games earlier in the year that have been next gen exclusives uh i'm not sure i i i don't think i played any of those, but this to me feels like the first uh real next gen p s five game that that i played and especially in terms of the graphics it's about time you know i i've seen the screenshots and and like the the footage that they use in the ads and the the game looks better than than what they've than what screen Enix has posted. Oh, wow. I kind of don't understand (laughs) a little bit uh, their marketing strategy for this. But
0: (laughs) yeah, I I think it looks better than it does in in, uh, the promotional materials. It's possible that they actually didn't really know what their marketing strategy was because they kind of did so poorly with Avengers. But in comparison, the press they're getting for Guardians is very, very, very positive. So hopefully they'll follow up on that.
1: Uh, You know, I thought they're... marketing strategy for outriders seemed a little unusual too <laughs> um the, maybe these don't feel like they're their flagship properties I, I don't know i don't i don't want to go into any armchair uh
0: business no i understand i mean guardians has always been underestimated i remember when guardians 1 was announced people were like what are you doing marvel this is the end of marvel this is <sighs> finally they're they're this is the end of them they're going to stumble with this one because no one knows who the guardians of the galaxy are and then of course that didn't happen and hasn't since
1: um, I mean honestly, I was um, i'm ca- I kind of have a love hate relationship with the m c u movies and uh, I thought the Guardians was actually one of the first movies that actually actually kind of got me, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy One is a great film, yeah, it really tried something different in the already established m c u like they they really broke free of the mold that they had been uh, going along for that time. um, let's talk about gameplay for a second. so you mentioned that you you know you have the huddle and it'll have the It'll have the uh, soundtrack playing in the background. How would combat work? How would a general combat encounter work in this game?
1: Uh, so it's mostly gun-based. Um, you know, Peter Quill is known for not really having any, any superpowers. He's just a, <laughs> he's just a, a just human just a who happened to get tossed into outer space and you now he's just kind of trying to survive. Um, Peter has uh, a few special abilities. Uh, mostly the combat, like I guess the meat of the combat, revolves around directing your team mates to do uh, their own special attacks
0: oh so it is very squad based almost yeah
1: it is yeah like I said in the review um it, it looks a little weird when you when you call for a teammates attack and they just like you know they just teleport right over to the enemy and and then do their attack instead of you know running across the battlefield to to get there without even a bam the, the game get yeah, right uh the game even gives you like uh there's like a, a tech peter has a tactical ability which lets him hover over the battlefield for a little bit um so that you can get a good uh presumably formulate like some sort of tactical strategy but you know if, you, if your teammates are just teleporting right over to, to where they're going there's not really a lot of tactics there unfortunately mm. so it seems like Montreal or um, I Montreal had somewhat of a plan of what they wanted to do with the system. Uh, it seems that they needed to tighten the screws a little bit uh, to really make it uh, to really make it everything work and everything work
0: together. You were talking a little bit about uh, you were talking in the review. You were talking about how the storyline works and how there are there's a lot of character choice in this thing.
1: Yes, for uh, for one thing, the you know the the characters never uh they never stop talking <laughs> there is uh there's so much dialogue in this game um at any situation the the other characters around you are going to start striking up conversations and they will go <laughs> they will go and go and go and you know you'll be walking around and you'll you'll run into the next story event before they're they're finished talking <laughs> but uh along the way because there's so much conversation you often have the the chance to weigh in on what they're talking about you you know you can take one teammate's side over the other you can uh blame rocket that that's a uh, a frequent option <laughs> um <laughs> and this uh these things you do build up and they they affect how uh how your teammates are going to perform in battle a little bit there's there's also uh a lot of a lot of times where you have choices that you you might not even realize that you're making a choice um so at, at one point, you do get to go to uh, uh, nowhere, which uh, was featured in the first movie. I can't remember if it was featured in the second one. Uh, Dead celestial head. Yes, uh, it's it's a very uh, you know Vegas like atmosphere, and you do have at this one spot. It's it's very similar to uh, Final Fantasy VII remakes uh, version of uh, Wall Market. Um, you have a lot of freedom to walk around. Um, there's a lot of things you can interact with you know if you go in one direction you're you're going to get you're going to get one scene if you go in a, a different direction you'll get a different one you can't see everything on your first time through uh that location and i know this because i went back and tried it again and um hmm. i tried different things and i wasn't able to get uh the scenes that i got the first time i, I went through it so uh it, it's interesting how much uh you can affect the 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 story of the game just by
0: just by playing just by Going left instead of right. I like how that's built in. That's a that's a neat uh, option there, because usually it's it's very much a a binary choice. Do you want to do this or do you want to do that? Whereas it sounds like with this, you can actually well, literally go left or right depending on how you feel at the moment. Yeah. Yay choices in video games.
1: Yay. Um, yeah, uh, and I think it's easy to you know I, I I talked in my review that this is like you know this is one of the best. Uh, space opera games i played since mass effect and this game definitely like pulls a lot from mass effect um but i think the um the way conversations take place i f- i think feels a little bit more natural mass effect came out in the xbox 360 era so it had the limitations of its time etc you know and in, in those games you would get to a conversation you know the the whole game pauses well you uh you know you pick from your conversation wheel uh which was awesome for the time and it's it's still it's still pretty cool uh, a feature, but it's it's pretty neat to just have these these conversations that actually affect uh, the story and uh, the gameplay just while you're walking around. I feel like it's a little bit of a i don't know if streamlining's the word, but uh, it feels like it's a little bit more na- naturally
0: woven into the uh, to exploration and gameplay yeah, storyline's better integrated into the gameplay, yeah, which is uh, what you really want and i guess also another way that this game uh built upon what was in avengers even though it was not the same teams that were doing it but clearly if you know screenix was publishing it there was probably conversations about because it i don't want to say it looks like avengers because it doesn't but there are certain similarities it's obviously a, it's a, like it's an action adventure rpg kind of game
1: yeah i mean the structure is pretty similar you know it's it's uh except for like a few moments it, it, it's pretty linear uh you know it I would even say it reminds me of kind of like the Uncharted games where you know a lot of times it is just walking down corridors until there's something to you know to something to fight. Set piece, set piece, set piece. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, and the, and the battles do kind of end up being set pieces, although although I I actually I actually kind of enjoy the battles even despite all their flaws. I think um the, you know those those battles really serve um they they work to serve the story rather than the story working to serve the battles. But you know there's there's a lot of little things like even in even in the battles that feel like they're contributing to the story and the characters uh some of the special attacks are incidental uh you know in different uh they'll behave differently with different enemies um if you have uh Drax use a special ability on uh, a typical you know grunt uh soldier he'll run up and grab the the guy by the legs and swing him around like like uh, you know, like like in Super Mario 64 when Mario uh, picks up Bowser and swings him around and tosses him, uh, so there's those, <laughs> and then but if you use the same attack with uh, like a monster, uh, Drax will hop on the monster's back and wrestle to the ground.
0: Sorry, I'm just imagining Drax going bye bye, Big Bowser.
1: Yes, <laughs> I wish. Um, and you know, uh, Peter Quill has like a, a melee attack, and it's like it's it's real simple. It's like just a button mashing sort of thing. Uh, button mashing combo attack but um, if you start the combo and uh, you don't if you don't finish off the enemy uh, with your combo Peter will knock the enemy up into the air and then one of the other guardians will swoop in and do a jump kick to finish the enemy off so I I like that you know it it feels like you know this is like a team you know this is uh, what you'd expect like The sort of cinematic, uh, stylish combat that that you'd, and fighting that you'd expect from like a movie.
0: Which is what I suspect they were going for.
1: Yeah. Uh, Because
0: obviously the MCU is, it's still going strong. It's not looking like it's going to stop anytime soon and it's earning big bucks. So I think that's what they were trying to go for with Avengers again. You know, trying to get that big budget action movie kind of thing. But it sounds like the much more irreverent tone of the Guardians of the Galaxy was a better match for, uh, well, an action RPG game.
1: I mean, uh, you know, like I said, I have I have kind of a, a love-hate uh, relationship with the MCU, and I would argue that The, the Avengers is is kind of similar to <laughs> uh, uh, many of the, maybe the earlier movies for the MCU, kind of, you know, clunky a little bit, <laughs> kind of mm-hmm. a little bit wonky. A little stiff. But that's me being... <laughs> uh, Glib, I suppose.
0: Ah, you're not being glib. You just have an opinion about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and everyone has an opinion about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, they sure Nikki, do. <laughs> Nikki, do you have an opinion about the Marvel Cinematic Universe? There's characters in it. You are there obviously are. <laughs> a fan. Yeah, it's not
2: Batman. Got him. yeah, See, I know.
0: Yes, Batman is not in the Marvel Universe. Yeah,
2: you see, I know everything. Obviously. <laughs>
0: um well abe i gotta say that it sounds like they really managed to if not necessarily knock it out of the park at the very least create a pretty darn good comic book game hopefully they can continue to build on that with future titles
1: yeah i would say i mean this is a guardians of the galaxy game basically
0: yep says it right on the box
1: yeah yeah <laughs> i mean i think it's it takes the Guardians movies and captures captures them and puts them in a video game,
0: which is what everyone wanted essentially from this game. And right. it, it sounds like it's really nice that they got it. And
1: I think you know, I think there is like I think there is a decent like combat system in here somewhere, but there's a lot of screws that needed to be tightened, and you know, maybe some different decisions that need to be made. But you know, I still had fun with it. So, uh, and I was you know, I combat was something I looked forward to. It wasn't something I was dreading. So, mm-hmm. you know, even with some of the uh the uh, I guess the warts of this game. It's it's still, it's so pretty good. <laughs>
0: yeah, so it looks good, plays pretty good, good characters, uh, some great character development and uh, some very good voice acting and an amazing soundtrack. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hard to beat that. Never going to give you up. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is obviously a bit of a throwback to the 1980s, but uh, the other game we're going to be talking about on today's episode is a throwback to the 1990s. And uh, just before we, you know, before I start talking to Nikki about it, let me give you a little bit of a, a history lesson. So ActRaiser uh, was a title for the Super Nintendo system. It was not a launch title, but it was darn close. It was released only a few months after its release in the West. So if you were someone who bought a Super Nintendo system, and in those early days you were like a little bit desperate for some games, this was something that many, many, many people played. And because of that, it kind of became a cult classic. Uh, not just because it was one of the only games to play, but also because it had a very unique gameplay loop, which was a mixture of side-scrolling action, kind of like Super Castlevania 4, and uh, City Builder, a little bit like SimCity, uh, two games that were also on the SNES. It uh, it was unfortunately never really developed properly into a franchise. There was a sequel, Razor 2, uh, but the sequel completely cut all of the city building side from the gameplay and just focused entirely on the uh, side scrolling. And that's, you know, it kind of just became a generic Super Nintendo side scroller. And God knows there were an awful lot of those. Its release was in 1993. And since then, there was just dead silence about it. There were a few attempts from some indie studios and things to do a spiritual successor for Act Racer, But nothing really came through. Nothing really Uh, matched the original Uh, and then completely out of nowhere in September, uh, we had a Nintendo direct and act racer Renaissance was both announced and released on the same day. And everyone kind of lost their minds. I think, I think Mike just freaked out at his chair and uh, we we had a lot of questions about it. Like, wait, 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 is, is this a remake? Is it a sequel? Is it a remaster? What is it? So, uh, we have Nikki here, and she just has a review out for ActRaiser Renaissance. So, Nikki, tell us what is this? Is it a remake, remaster? What, what, what is what is ActRaiser Renaissance?
2: It's uh, like full blown remake, I think, because I never played the original. However, um, from the cool uh, researching and learning that I did. This is definitely like a big old super remake thing because it's got all the stuff of the original. It's got the same places, um, but they add stuff to it. They've added characters, they've added storylines and they've added post game stuff. So now instead of like six areas, there's a seventh area after you beat the final boss and it's really good.
0: Is it really good across the board? Are certain sections really good? Or is it just the whole package just really works together?
2: Wow. It's very good everywhere.
0: That's awesome. Uh,
2: Yeah. There's only a few little things that I was kind of, um, I guess, unhappy with, but they're so minor that it really doesn't do anything to hamper the experience overall like um when you're developing your little towns and these little monsters show up and you have to shoot them with your arrows sometimes the arrows they like curve out of your control so you think you're gonna hit them because you're right in front of them but the arrow doesn't go straight and it's like this is kind of weird but i also don't care because (laughs) it's so small like, mm. like you're going to kill the monster and then, you know, save the town. And, you know, you're you're going to lightning all your little people anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, it's fine. No worries.
0: Well, let's talk about how the game works. So how do they merge the side for those who haven't played Act Razor, How do they merge the side scrolling and city building aspects of the game?
2: So in order to unlock an area, you first do a side scrolling level. And when you've completed that, you go into the town area, and then you begin developing the town. And as you develop the town, those places where those pesky monsters uh, come out of will weaken, and eventually you can go into them in a mini side-scrolling level to take out the monster spawners inside and... Close the uh close that hole for good. And then you return to the town development and you keep uh going through the quests, um, which are now very uh heavily story associated. And once you get to the final quest, it is another big side scrolling stage. Okay,
0: so they have added a lot of story and context into the game.
2: Yes. A lot.
0: Have you played a lot of city builders?
2: Uh, not, not like this. No.
0: Okay. So how would you compare it to like, I don't know. I'm just going to say SimCity, for example.
2: Wow. That's a game.
0: It's a big game.
2: Yes. Imagine knowing video games. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be an interesting concept?
0: (laughs) Yes, it would. It would, it would be very, very helpful in my job.
2: Yeah. You see, that's the thing, right? I saw this on the direct and you know, I'm, I'm a simple gal. I see cool, long-haired anime guy. I want the game. And there was a cool, long-haired anime guy. So I wanted the game. You know, I didn't know about uh, the original Act, Razor, or any of that. Um, But it was still such a great experience, despite not having that background information.
0: Well, this is one of the reasons why I was excited about you reviewing the game. It was because nostalgia is a hell of a drug. And I feel like people who played the original either when it was released or later on, because it is, is, I've, you know, it, it's a very good game. Uh, it's a classic. And obviously there will be comparisons with that. Whereas you'd be able to come into this without any preconceived notions about what this is supposed to be and say, does it work or doesn't it? Uh, and it sounds like you think it works very well. What what's the city building like? Like how does it how does it work?
2: It's mostly letting the little humans do what they want and you as in the in the side scrolling you're the deity, but in the city building you're his right-hand angel. So you kind of give them nudges in the right direction or rather the direction you want them to go. So you can kind of direct their movement, and they will build paths. And as they build paths, they develop structures like farms and workshops. And as they build more farms, they build more houses, and the population grows. As they build more workshops, you get um, materials to build forts. Mm. And because this is something that I found out they... Um, added in the remake is that uh, in the city building now there are uh, real-time strategy sections where monsters will come and attack the city and so you have to in the same manner as the town building you have to go around and like attack the monsters and place forts to drive the monsters away but because they added the story elements The uh, characters for each uh, city or town, however you want to call it, um, will also fight. So now you have like a third element to the game, which is this real-time strategy section where you're defending the the settlement from oncoming monsters.
0: That's wild. I mean, most games struggle to even do a halfway competent side-scroller or city builder or RTS.
2: Yeah, but like everything felt... Very cohesive mm-hmm. um, and very satisfying. There's a lot of intelligent, like, strategizing that you have to do in the game to complete all of the the three different parts. So, like, the level designs and the side scrolling are very strong. Um, the way that the monster hordes uh, attack during the real time strategy portions allow room for you know strategic thinking and all that good stuff uh really cool
0: what was your favorite aspect of the game like if you had to be if you had to be stuck playing the side scroller or the city builder or the rts which would you prefer
2: oh no i don't want to answer that because i think what makes it so (laughs) good is that it is all um All three of those things.
0: How well integrated they are into the game.
2: Yeah. I mean, like, I guess. No, that's the problem. Like, I I want to say, oh, the side scrolling because um, the like the deities like move set is so like interesting. And it's like it helps you maneuver around uh, so well. I think this game, I really hope this game gets a dedicated like speedrunning community because i think there's so many ways people can approach all aspects of the game because of how the characters like move sets are incorporated into it and work alongside like the level design but then i think oh but it's so nice that after you do this like super cool action segment you have some time to kind of cool down relax watch your little humans on their little farms dancing around the little tower and your little angel boy is like flying around shooting arrows at nothing and whatever there are penguins in the snowy level like hello that's really good they're penguins you know I feel like um, every time I think about something really good in one section, it reminds me of how good the other section is.
0: That makes sense. Um, Yeah, because one of the things when ActRaiser was originally released was, yeah, there was the uh, genre bending aspect of it, but it was a genre bending aspect on the Super Nintendo, which was, you know, the the original Nintendo was still riding high uh, and they were only just figuring out what, the genres were at that time, things were still very much in flux. And here comes a game that uh, doesn't just give you a side scroller as you'd expect from Castlevania, or it gives you uh, it gives you much more than that, which I think is one of the reasons why the game became such a, a legendary game and developed a cult following. And I'm personally thrilled to see that they, now that games are very much, you know, we know what genres are and not just everything is genre blending now. Cause Everything has RPG aspects in it. I'm delighted to see them take this and move it forward with other aspects and still make it into a really fun, good game.
2: Yeah, I uh, I really had no idea what to expect because all I saw was what was on the direct. And I was like, okay, that's going to be a video game, you know.
0: <laughs> were you curious why all of us were freaking the hell out on the uh Yeah, the I was
2: like, whoa this people think this is going to be good well i trust you guys i trust i trust you all and i trust the power of long-haired anime boys so both of these were right
0: i mean i know very well how much you put your trust in long-haired anime boys oh
2: yeah oh and there's like a long-haired cowboy so that's really good too i love all the characters in this game they're very good
0: good i'm very glad about that I'm really glad that the game worked. It did look like the game got quite
1: the glow up uh, from the the original. Were there long haired anime boys in the original one?
2: From the pictures I've seen, like um, the uh, the original guy is just like um, wearing like this armor, and like you can't see his his hair or anything. And then, oh my gosh, the angel is literally just like this little cherub, right? He's like this little little dude in his underwear like how those angels are always shown but the angel boy in like the remake is really cute he's got like his cute little hair and he's very expressive he talks a lot to all the characters um it's very fun to see how the angel who is obviously very dedicated to the deity reacts to each of the the champions of each level because They all have their own kind of, um, like approach to this, like the game's idea of religion, because it's like, okay, you're the God, you were asleep for however long, but now evil is back. And now the God has awakened to save the people from evil and populate the world with humans again. And, you know, so the humans are like, oh, please, you know, help us learn how to make rice and, uh. Give us apples or whatever. But then each of the champions has like their own thing. Like, oh, according to us, we need to rely on humans because what if the deity has to go away again? We need to, you know, respect our own agency. And the angel is like, what an interesting idea, or like one of them is um <laughs>
0: what <laughs> so I mean what an interesting idea you're an idiot
2: <laughs> it's really nice though because they do have these very i feel meaningful discussions about like
0: what do you do when your god forsakes you
2: <laughs> I-, I mean yeah right that's literally the cowboy right like oh my my whole family and all my friends died because no god came to save us So why should I rely on you? I'm going to go deal with this myself. Right. And then that becomes the story of the Casandora place. Right. Or like um, for um, for the first place, Fillmore, it's this like gladiator looking guy who's like, I was the king of this uh, ancient place. And somehow I, you know, fell asleep and I'm still young, whatever, timey-wimey stuff. But, you know, uh, they relied too much on me. And when I couldn't help them, they all got mauled by, you know, the minotaur or whatever. So mm. I don't want to, you know, overstep my boundaries. And then, you know, the cute little, uh, like, monster girl is like, oh, but we can't discriminate against monsters. Like, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on that I think is really... uh. Really cool. I really liked how they approached the idea of relying on gods in a game that literally has like a god.
0: It's interesting. In the original Japanese release, uh, the protagonist's original name was God. It was just G O D, God, and the enemy was uh, Satan. And mm-hmm. as as Nintendo did back in the eighties and nineties, they looked at this and were like, No. And immediately uh, renamed the main character, uh, the protagonist, as the master. Ah. So you aren't God, you're just the master.
2: They make it pretty clear, at least in this uh, English version. I'm not sure how the Japanese of the remake is, but they make it really clear that this is about gods, like Mm -hmm. the deity is a god, but the angel refers to them as my master.
0: That's a nice little reference to the original.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I like that. Um, hey, did you ever play this game when uh I don't know, like when you were younger? <laughs>
1: I mean, I did not, uh, you know, like you said that was those that was very early uh, SNES SN- days and uh I I don't even remember when I got an, <laughs> a Super Nintendo. It was it, it, but it wasn't right away and uh yeah, I definitely missed out on racer unfortunately. Mm. I saw you know, I'd see it on the shelf at the, you know, a video game rental store and it would be the you know kind of the last one on the shelf there and you know when you're a kid you you pretty much go by the box art which for act racer i remember just being the act racer with some clouds behind it
0: (laughs) yeah there's some lightning Ooh.
1: yeah didn't do much for me as a whatever eight or nine year old
0: yeah i suppose that when you when you have a super nintendo and it's new and a new a new game shows up on the shelf you would be like heck yeah grabbing this Oh, but yeah, if yeah. you have like the complete set, if you have hundreds of Super Nintendo games, it's easy to get lost in the mix.
1: I mean, you know, the box starts to get faded because it's been there for a couple of years and, you know, it's always yeah. there. So <laughs> you assume that it can't it can't be good. <laughs> if it was good, someone would have someone would've read it. Exactly.
0: At this point, there is no chance that you were going to get an instruction manual with this game Two. And then I mean, there's Zack Razor 2, which was technically the sequel. But at the same time, it was like didn't really have all that much to do with it, aside from maybe some of the same concepts. But even then, like it, there wasn't you didn't have a little chair of buddy flying around helping with a town building. Um, yeah, I'm really, really happy that this game turned out so well and that it's been so well received. It's nice when a classic is reinvented and it still works. Um, and I mean, clearly the folks that were behind building this game really cared about it. Uh, probably played it growing up because I know that there were other games. I'm not going to mention them because that'd be rude, but there were other games that really tried to follow up in Act Razor's, uh gameplay loops and it just didn't work. Despite the enthusiasm and obvious love for the original, it just didn't work. But this one seems to work really, really well. And that's cool.
2: It is something that like, even without like the background knowledge of like, oh, this was a game before and this is a remake of it. Um, Yeah, like this kind of very like like you said, a lot of games have some RPG elements in them, but I feel like some of those elements are kind of easy to sprinkle in two different games, whereas Mm -hmm. like these are very distinct, separate gameplay styles that are working together, which is not at all easy to pull off.
0: No, not even remotely. The fact they managed to pull it off in 1991 is incredible.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh,
1: I mean, and it's cool to see like, you know, a, a really old obscure game, you know, one that I uh, had expected was kind of lost to time, not only get a re-release but, you know, it, it looks like the development team actually put some effort into uh, into making it look good in, you know, in 2021.
0: Yeah, it's a good-looking game. How's the
2: music? Wow. Uso Koshiro. That's it. That's the statement. You know it's good. <laughs> It's very good it's it's fantastic, but I mean, it's Yuzo Koshiro, so of course, mm-hmm. I mean, like it's really good. I've been uh bopping to some of the tracks while I uh work on like other projects that I have. i mean, it's it's uh, really nice, like it's high energy when it needs to be. it's you know light hearted when it needs to be.
0: Did they contribute any new music to the game?
2: Oh, I wish I knew that answer. <laughs> Um, it's hard to know because there is a music player, um, after you beat, uh, the final boss that will like, as you keep playing, you unlock music for the music player Mm -hmm. and you can listen to the original or the remake version of the tracks, not only in the game itself, but in the music player, but for any game, I think, I mean, like that's what they did in Etrian Odyssey in the Etrian Odyssey remakes, like, There were new tracks in those remakes, but like Yuzo Koshiro uh, made those new tracks with like the original um, sound fonts for the remake. So if you didn't know any better, you would think that that was in the original game, right? Okay. So like, I can't tell. (laughs) I didn't look that much into it if there's like, I think actually, wait, there must be new music because the post game game island and story and like town building that is all new for the remake and it has a unique track so it there must be new music because at least that has something new to it
0: okay because the game looks i mean i the original was a first generation super nintendo game uh and this looks i mean it, it it doesn't look super super amazing but it looks pretty
2: it's visually nice does the job yeah I mean, I love the character art and the designs. Mm. I, I get what you mean about, like, the graphics otherwise, but I think the character designs are, like, top-notch. So, so it works for me. Okay. I've, I've, never, I've always been of the, of the mentality that, like, graphics are what you need them to be, and I think they, the graphics are what they need to be in this game.
0: I think that's smart, and I like that philosophy.
2: There are penguins also. I need to remind everyone that there There are are penguins penguins.
0: which is the important takeaway yes there are penguins cute animals are important in video games really
2: absolutely
0: oh gosh that reminds me uh i'm gonna talk i have to talk about uh, my game in a second but i just remembered something i forgot to ask abe about um guardians of the galaxy is cosmo good boy
1: Uh, oh cosmo good boy (laughs) cosmo good boy (laughs) yeah okay good Uh, that was a close (laughs) one Cosmo is a very important part of the story. <laughs> yes, Cosmo is, uh, Cosmo is a good boy. You know, m- maybe one of the emotional centers <laughs> of the story, actually.
0: Whew, that was close. I almost yeah. forgot to ask. Well, thank you very much, Nikki, for uh, walking us through or Renaissance. Um, <laughs> I like how Renaissance just, it, it's, a smart, it's a smart name considering the subject matter.
2: Yeah, I was very tempted to use like Renaissance Man in my review. <laughs> I don't think I did but I was tempted.
0: (laughs) Well, if you ever have those temptations in the future, feel free to follow them because they're funny.
2: Yeah. I was just worried. I'm already like using, I'm already like stuffing as much alliteration as I can. I'm like trying to balance things out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, well, uh, let's stick in the nineties for a second. Uh, I actually reviewed a game for the first time in quite a while. I've been suffering from some fairly severe writer's block the last few months. And, uh, a game came in and I played the original it's, it's a remake slash remaster slash director's cut Kathy rain. And I played the original back in 2016 when it was released and I liked it. I I liked it quite a bit. So I figured, you know what, this seems like it's a good length. I'm going to see if I can battle my writer's block and uh, pound out a review. And I did. And I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good about, uh, about the game actually, Uh, Kathy Rain is a point-and-click adventure game that's set in 1995 starring a journalism student and uh, a biker named Kathy Rain. And her roommate, who is kind of a busybody, tells her uh, that someone with her last name just died in her hometown. And she discovers that it is her grandfather, who she has not seen since she was a little girl. So she goes back to uh, her old hometown to go to the funeral. And she discovers that her grandfather was comatose for uh almost 10 years or 15 years uh before his death and while talking to her grandmother she says i'm gonna i'm gonna do a little bit of investigation and figure out if there's anything going on here And in doing so, she uncovers a lot of dark secrets about her town and her family and her personal history. And it's a point-and-click adventure game. It's exactly what it is. You go from uh, location to location, picking up anything that isn't nailed down, shoving it into your inventory, rubbing it against other objects or people to see if you get some kind of reaction. It's not a super, super original concept. However, this, this director's cut is kind of a neat thing, which was when it first came out, I enjoyed it, but it felt a little bit underdeveloped. It just did. I didn't know whether or not that was because of budget or because of uh, development time or, or what have you, but there were a few sections of it that just didn't feel like, it just didn't come together properly. And apparently they decided that the publisher and the developer uh, decided that they needed to uh, go back and add a few things and revamp stuff and maybe modernize it a little bit. So that's what they did. They uh, It was originally in uh, 4.3 aspect ratio, which was like a television set from the 1990s. Uh, they expanded that to you know, widescreen, so they redid a lot of the art assets for the game. But it looks pretty much the same. It, the pixel art, very, very strong pixel art. I really like how it looks. They added in uh, some extra content in, term, in like death sequences, for example, kind of like Sierra-style death sequences. Cool. <laughs> but at the same time, unlike Sierra-style death sequences, they don't spam you with them. Like if you touch an object, it's not going to kill you. Uh, in that in that jokey kind of way. Like, the death sequences are actually organic parts of the plot, and there are puzzles that you need to figure out your way out of them, uh, whether that is with an item or a conversational choice. Uh, it's there, and I like that, because it does add some extra stakes to the game. There's a, some additional story beats with some new voice acting, which is really, really nice. Um, however, the game is primarily the same game it was in 2016. There's nothing... Like if you hadn't recently played the game, I was constantly thinking, wait, was this in the original? Is this, Is this? like, it's really well integrated into the game, the new stuff, but so much so that sometimes you don't even really notice it. And it it takes place in the 1990s. uh, So you don't have cell phones or things or even like uh, advanced version of the internet or things like that. So you're kind of going with a lot of analog uh, puzzle solving, I guess you can say. Uh, There's a lot of logic puzzles in it. Like you have to rely, instead of using items in your inventory with other items, you have to use an item in inventory like a, like a, book, a, a math book, for example. Uh, there's a code, and you have this math book, and you need to use the math book to, uh, to uh, decode the combination to a briefcase. So you have moments where logic puzzles come into play, and those feel really, really satisfying to solve, much more so than like, using a mop on a billboard, for example, to knock it over. I will say it's not an amazing adventure game. It is a solid adventure game. There's nothing wrong with it. It's it's pretty short. It's not a super long game. You could probably plow through it in about five to six hours. I think I took about five hours playing it. But there are some really interesting characters, some interesting situations in it. There is one weakness about the game that I, I just, I have a lot of trouble getting past. And that's its similarities to Twin Peaks. Um... Have either of you watched Twin Peaks before? Either the original show, show or the remake?
2: I've seen like one or two episodes.
0: I've seen all of it. <laughs> oh yeah, you've seen it all of okay. it. Okay, I feel all. like... Nikki, I feel like you might like the original. Um, the new one is... I would <laughs> not recommend... something. I would not <laughs> recommend ever. season three to anyone who has not watched the original. Yeah, Let's put that Don't way. start with that. <laughs> Do not start with it. It's, you will be baffled. And even if you watch it, you're still going to be baffled. I was still that baffled. baffled. <laughs> it was... That was... It, it Twin Peaks season three is one of the most challenging, remarkable, uh, frankly baffling television events I've ever seen. I I still don't know what to make of it. Um. Anyway, this game there's a lot of Twin Peak references, which I guess is because it's small town mid '90s. And, you know, homages are nice sometimes, like it's nostalgia, but the problem is uh, the references continue to build and build and build until eventually it just feels really unoriginal. Like the last half of the game, it just feels, it feels like you're in one of the weirder episodes of Twin Peaks, except mm, David Lynch isn't directing and writing it and neither's Mark Frost. So it doesn't feel as compelling. That being said, if you like Twin Peaks, if you like adventure games, if you like uh, short bursts and games that, you know, set out to do one thing and do it pretty well. Yeah, I think you might really like uh, Kathy Rain. Uh, have either of you are either of you adventure game fans like classic point and click adventure games?
1: Uh, I played a bit of them back in the day or mostly when I was a kid, I watched my dad play them. <laughs> I mean, you <laughs> mentioned the, uh, you know, the, the death sequences and I had uh, horrifying flashbacks of uh, King's Quest four. Where, mm. you know if you just stood in one spot like you would eventually something would eventually come out and kill you <laughs> mm-hmm. especially especially at the very beginning
0: yeah sierra style adventure games were never my Ugh, they're brutal <laughs> yeah they're brutal they were never my thing i was a LucasArts arts adventure game kind of guy i liked that yeah. there were no deaths i liked that you there was no fail state you there was a solution you could figure out that solution and make your way through i liked that um Nikki, uh, are you a point-and-click adventure game fan? I don't think I've ever asked you that.
2: Um, I mean, that's like Phoenix Wright, right?
0: <laughs> <sighs> a little bit like Phoenix uh, Wright, yes. Phoenix Wright is a Japanese point-and-click adventure game.
2: Yeah, I've never gotten the opportunity to play the old ones, um, but I like watching people play them. I like... Watching people play Nancy Drew.
0: <laughs> if there's ever if there is a remake announced at some point in the future, I'm totally going to assign you it just out yes. of sheer I need to make you play one. Woohoo! But I mean, it's a five hour adventure game. It's well done. There's some interesting characters. There's some really really nice pixel art in it. I liked it. I gave it a 78, and that is not a bad score. Uh, so yeah we we kind of took a trip through time. We were in the uh, we were in the 80s for a while, and then we were in the very early 90s, and then we were in the mid 90s. So, uh, let's, let's move it up to today, today, where everything has RPG mechanics in it. And I wanted to, uh, bring up a discussion question with the two of you. Uh, and that is going to be, I'm curious, what is your favorite RPG mechanic in non-RPGs? So this could be a inventory system. It could be experience points. It could be equipping weapons and armor. Um, so a game that's not an RPG, but does have an RPG mechanic in it. What is your favorite RPG mechanic in in a non-RPG? And, uh, Abe, would you like to jump in?
1: First, I was curious. Did, did this come up because we all, all three of us, had games that were not quite, <laughs> not quite RPGs? Uh, a little kinda... bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, good call. Good, good play there. I, I had to think a long time about that. Actually, even, even though I didn't have a long time, um, <laughs> I couldn't think <laughs> of a lot of uh, games I played that hard um, that weren't RPGs that that had uh, RPG elements. I play a lot of RPGs, mostly RPGs. Mm. I'm an RPG fan. Yes, um, as are we all. Oh, I get it. <laughs> so, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, what I came up with, what I thought of, was uh, uh, Street Fighter Alpha three. Um, so I remember um, there was some kind of it was like this extended story mode. It was it was much more than like just an arcade game. You you know you traveled around the world and and you got different uh, special boost uh, abilities. Um, so you know you could you could pile on a, a bunch of things that would that would boost your uh, special or your super combo attack and you know it you could boost it so much that you know you could uh charge up your you know if you're you you could like charge up your fireball and and knock out the the enemy before uh a, a second even left the clock <laughs> so um yeah that's that's the one i thought of first.
0: um it might be the first time that street fighter alpha 3 has ever been mentioned on this podcast.
1: maybe so. <laughs> that was uh yeah, that was my favorite uh, ps1 fighting game. and the other one i thought of was soul calibur where you know, you could switch out the swords mm-hmm. and stuff. I, I think in the later games you could probably switch out armor too or costumes that would that actually had like abilities and stuff, but um i haven't played as much as that, of that series.
0: uh nicky, how about you? what is your favorite rpg mechanic? in a non-rpg
2: oh man i didn't think of an actual game uh it doesn't need
0: to be a game it could just be what's your favorite mechanic
2: yeah levels um yeah no and it's it seems like a very strange answer but the reality is i'm not good at video games so like levels are a very clear like sense of progression and if you're like struggling in a certain area if if there is a like a level mechanic that can help your character like make up for the fact that you maybe are not good at dodging or uh attacking in the right area or whatever um that's really good for me because it helps
0: me i would uh i would take issue with your uh (laughs) statement that you are not good at video games because I know for an absolute fact that you cut your way through a vast swath of video games uh, since you were hired on the site. And I know that you did it before you were on the site. So I would say that you are very good at video games. Oh,
2: thank you. I appreciate that.
0: I think that mine, I'm going to be going with kind of what Abe said at the end there, which was, I really like equipping armor and swords or weapons uh, in non-RPGs. Uh I feel like that was a key step towards the foundation of Metroidvania's because obviously Symphony of the Night. You could get weapons, you could equip you know, equip things. And yes, I know there was leveling in uh Symphony of the Night as well, but that mechanic really pushed forward the idea of character customization uh in non-RPGs. And yeah, I I just like being able to customize my character in that way. Um, you have a good character customization system in an RPG and or in a non-RPG, and I am I am going to have a good time there. So yeah, that was uh, those are our favorite uh, RPG mechanics and non-RPGs. And I I throw it out there to the audience: Do you have any favorite RPG mechanics and non-RPGs? And if you do, what are they? Give us some games. Give us some uh, mechanics. Give us some ideas. Take issue with the question. Uh, anything you want, and you can contact us about it, which I will give you the contact information in just a minute. But first, I want to thank you both for coming on to the show. Uh, It's always a pleasure to talk to you both, and it's always a pleasure to read your reviews. Thank
2: you. I'm always happy to be here. Always a pleasure to
0: be here. Uh, Incidentally, if you want to read the reviews for uh, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy for ActRaiser Renaissance or for uh, Kathy Rain, Director's Cut, they will all be in the show notes, or you could just visit RPGFan.com, hit Reviews, and check those out. Yeah, so as you know, this is Random Encounter. We are we have been we have had many episodes of Random Encounter. This is 227, but we do have some other podcasts as well, including Retro Encounter with Mr. Mike Solosi. We just had a two-parter episode featuring the retro-style RPG Cosmic Star Heroine. Uh, I was on both of those episodes. It was an absolute blast talking to uh, Mike and Audra about those about that game. Uh, No spoilers, but I have some very complicated feelings about Cosmic Star Heroin, and it turns out that we all do. And I had a really good time talking to them about that and kind of figuring out what works, what doesn't, that sort of thing, which is what Retro Encounter is so good at. You can really delve into a game deeply. Uh, Speaking of delving into games, the next two episodes of uh, Retro Encounter coming up, I'm hosting both of them, and I am super excited because they are going to be featuring star trek adventure games so star trek 25th anniversary and star trek judgment rights so i'm going to be digging into those adventure games with a panel of trekkies and we are pretty darn excited to do it um we also have rhythm encounter which is rpg fans music podcast in the last episode uh we were focused on piano it was called black and white magic i hosted it it was so much fun uh we got to talk about some really amazing piano arrangements a beautiful beautiful uh music, and I I couldn't recommend the episode more. Uh, In the next episode, we're going to have a big theme episode, which is really, really cool. Alana came up with a theme idea, and uh, it's going to be focused on title screen music. So that music that plays before you hit start, yeah, that's the music we're talking about. And that's very important because that kind of sets the tone. It's the first thing you hear. Uh, So the next episode is going to be focused on title screen music, and do not miss that. It's going to be coming out next Monday. And uh, we also have our partner podcast, Phoenix Edge with Hat and Eric. They are focusing on RPG news. You can find that on YouTube. Uh, If you'd like to get in contact with us here at Random Encounter, uh, you can fire a message to podcast at rpgfan.com. Like I said, we'd love to hear from you uh, about the discussion question, or if you have any ideas for discussion questions, uh, please give them over. I'll mention them on the show. I'll mention your name on the show. It'll be fun. If you want to talk to me directly, you can do so at jloganrpgfan.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Jono underscore Logan. So if you enjoy the show and want to follow me, uh, yeah, please feel free. I would love to add you. We also have two other people on this podcast who have online presences. So, Abe, where can we find you online?
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, uh, at moby babemoby, B-A-B-E-M-O-B-Y.
0: Cool. And Nikki, where can we find you? I'm
2: also on Twitter at Otome underscore Nikki. That's only one K. If it were two, it would be a diary.
0: And, uh, you know, I want to thank everyone out there for joining us in this episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, uh, I would love if you shared it with other people and uh, spread the word about Random Encounter and Retro Encounter and Rhythm Encounter. And uh, Join
2: the RPG fam.
0: The RPG fam. Ha. Anyway, so thank you for joining us, and uh, whatever you're playing, have fun doing it. Thank you very much, and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye.